So uh, we're uh, in this series, Thy Will Be Done. If you have your Bibles, we are in this series. I'm going to just read probably the most famous prayer ever said, and that's right here in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus talking to his disciples. They're asking how to pray. And I'm just going to hit the first part of this because we've been in this for a while. It says, this then is how you should pray. Like, pay attention, people. Jesus is talking. He's going to tell you how to pray. Matthew 6, starting verse 9. You're following along. It says, our Father in heaven, how to be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 9 and 10. Your kingdom come, or thy kingdom come. Thy actually means your kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive and have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. That's a good one every day to pray. And deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That, that forgiveness thing is circular. It keeps going. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a big one. We could talk about that later. But what I want to talk about today is what we've been in. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I believe with all my heart that God's word is alive, it's active, and it is for our lives. And it's for you today, just as much as it is for me and as I'm studying it this week. Because my, my prayer every week is not that you just come and hear some music and hear someone talk and have some coffee and, you know, hear somebody talk about God and talk about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. My prayer for you is that you go out of this place wanting to have a relationship with your creator. And we do that because he has given us this amazing book that we can begin to read, and with God's strength and, and his, you know, wisdom, we can begin to understand it. And if you just read it from cover to cover, you, you could be completely lost. I want us to look at this because thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. A couple of weeks ago, I, I, I read the scripture, Romans 14, for the kingdom of God, we're talking about the kingdom, it's not a matter of rules about food and drink, but it is in the realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. The realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. I don't know about you, but man, I could take more peace and joy every single day. But the thing that's been on my heart as we've gone into this year, and, and you know, this year may not have started like you wanted it to start. I know it didn't start the way I really wanted it to start, but you know what? We're in. And we continue to wake up every day and say, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Let's live. But on my heart this year for us and us as a, a body of Christ is what the, the Bible calls us. You know, this, this building is not the church. You're the church. We're going to make that clear again today. But I want us to recapture the narrative of this book. I want us to look at it and, and not just, you know, just grab bits and pieces of it because it applies to our lives. And again, the greatest theme of the Bible is not your sin, but God's love. I mean, you, you can write that one down. That's, that's true. It's God's love. And if we start, and we, we turn all the way back to Genesis, it's a good place to start. Genesis means the beginning. And I want you to stay with me because this might seem really simple and elementary for a moment, but I feel like we're going to go somewhere. You guys good with that? Genesis 1, starting with verse 1. I've had conversations with some of you here that, you know, if you could just get through the first five words of the Bible, in the beginning God created, 
then everything else seems probable. In the beginning. In the beginning. The first three words of the Bible imply something. It doesn't start with a bunch of facts. It starts with a story. You with me? A story. From the beginning of time, God has been telling a story, and he's telling that through his creation. There's a a rhythm to it. There's a purpose. Something is happening ever since God pushed play and began this story. But so often in our lives, I think we can think about this book and about God as just a bunch of rules, a bunch of regulations to follow. List of do's and don'ts. I'm sure you've heard that. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And maybe you came from a place in, in your life where it was about memorizing stuff. Memorize, memorize, memorize. And, and I'm, I'm not knocking any of that. But I'm just saying that, that sometimes that's a place where people think of, of you know, they, they put religion in it. And we're past the, just the religion. It's about a relationship. We don't need more facts in our lives. Because the reality is we are called to something more. What you and I are truly called to is not about facts, it's about a story. And if God is telling a story, that means that you and I have a part to play. There's a plot, there's characters, there's a drama going on. And this has been happening since the beginning of time. And if God is telling a story, then we need to ask ourselves, what is our part? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And what if we believe that today? What if you believed you were actually one of the characters in this huge epic drama that God is doing? Sometimes we just think that we're like, well, I'm just going along. I'm just trying to abide. I'm just trying to. But the truth is something bigger is going on. Discovering God's will, we've said it before and over and over. It's a lifelong journey, a lifelong discovery. But what if you believe today that you were actually part of this huge epic drama that God is doing? See, the great thing about seeing the Bible and seeing our lives as a story, a living story, is that everything begins to fit into place. It starts to make sense when we look at the big picture. And by the way, just so you know, make this clear, you and I are not the center of the story. That's Jesus. Right? But since there is a story happening, then also means that we, we matter. How we live matters. How you love matters. How we treat our fellow humans matters. Come on. Because, you know, actors in a play can affect the play. But my question is, do we believe that? Do you believe that you matter? That you can make a difference? See, in the beginning of God's story, he makes a promise. In the beginning of the story, God makes a promise to his people, and the the Jewish people, they're called the Israelites. And he makes a promise to dwell with them. Right in the beginning, he says, I'm going to make this promise, and I'm going to dwell with them. Now, now that word dwell actually means to abide or remain or continue to be with. And he promises to come down and be with them. 
In fact, in the Old Testament, the word dwell, we find over 500 times in the Old Testament. God wanted to be among his people, on the ground, not from a distance. So here we have in this, this beginning story, God has Moses and the, and the Israel, Israelite people. He has them build this thing. It's called a tabernacle. And, and this was actually this mobile place. and It was actually like a tent. Okay, stay with me. Then, then he has them build a temple where God could permanently dwell and permanently be. The temple, though, was a special place, and it was seen by the Jewish people, and it still is, as the very place where God's presence was. Another way they thought of this, the Jewish people, was the temple was the only place on earth where God's space and our space came together. It's where God's space and our space literally collided. That's why there's so many, when, when, we, when you read the Old Testament and there's so many like, you know, strict regulations and rules and things, it's because this place was sacred, it was holy. And it was a place that they saw as like, this is where God's presence and man came together. It was where heaven touched earth. And no other place on earth could claim that at the time. I mean, you can go to Jerusalem today. And you can still visit the temple. This isn't just words in a book. This is a place. This is a people. God telling his story through a people. Now, now stay with me. I want us to fast forward right now to the time of Jesus. If you want to turn to the Gospel of John. John 1, verse 14. And John opens the, the Gospel of John with, talking about Jesus and Jesus being the living word that was before us. And part of the creation story is Jesus being the living word that creates all things. John 1.1 1, 1 talks about in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word is God. And, it, and he's talking about Jesus right there. But you, you come down to verse 14, and it says the word became flesh. John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling, you can underline that if you want to, dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me read that again. The Word became flesh. Talking about Jesus. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. When we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I mean, that's important because if, if you're a thinker like me, you have to understand when God created everything, he used his voice and his mouth and his word to speak it into existence. He creates something from nothing with his words. And here we have the living word that has become flesh dwelling among us. That same word John uses dwelling in that verse is actually the same word found in the Old Testament for temple and tabernacle. You can look it up later, but I did the nerdy homework yesterday. So what John is saying here is the word became flesh, and it literally tabernacled or templed among us. The very place where heaven and earth collide is not in a building in Jerusalem, but it is found in a Jewish rabbi carpenter, and his name is Jesus. But there's more. Come on. Paul goes on one step further and says that if you are a follower of Jesus, and his indwelling spirit is in you, then you are now the walking temple. 
You are the place where heaven and earth meet, and you are now the very representative of God's presence here. Jesus made this promise. Again, in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And he talked about the commandments, and we talked about that love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Paul, when he was speaking this later, when he's speaking to the church in Corinth, he says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Another way of saying that, do you not know that you are the house of God? You're the house of God. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. Not in a building, in a person. Not in a place found in the Old Testament of a tabernacle or a tent. The tent of meetings is what the Bible called it. But now in a person. How different would it be if our lives, if we truly, truly believe that? And here's the thing. This is God's word. It is true. This is you. If you've placed your faith in Christ... And I look around, and, and I know some of you in your stories. And so you've done this. You said, Jesus, I, I believe in you. I repent. I turn from my way and follow you. I place you as Lord of my life. The throne of my life is yours. But let me ask you this question this morning. When people come in contact with you, when people interact with you, would they say they feel like they just had a collision With heaven on earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This all came about by asking the question, how does this happen? And and I mean that. Do people feel the love of the Father when they meet you? Do they feel God's grace and mercy when they come in contact with you? Or do they feel judgment? Do they feel the sacrifice of the Son, which Jesus said, we're to lay down our lives for our friends, lay down our lives for our neighbors. Jesus laid down his life when we were his enemy, the Bible says, when we were all far from him. When people come in contact with us, do they feel the power of God's love flowing through us? I want you to think about that. When we come in contact with people, are they experiencing heaven through your life? Because the Bible says, Holy Spirit is in you. That means the presence of God is dwelling in you. We abide with God. Therefore, we become God's representatives here on earth. I mean, that's good news. But I think for some reason, I I don't know why, but it's like we walk around not believing that as a truth. But it is true. And I think there might be a lot of reasons. The enemy's saying, no, that's not you. That's, well, you know what? Enemy starts, you know, doing this, you, you take him to the word of God. And say, no, this is who God says I am. I think one of the most amazing things in the Bible is when Jesus goes and gets baptized by John. But the most amazing thing is God the Father, the voice of God, says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. 
I mean, you, you know, if you're there in that scene and you hear Jesus just got baptized by John and then suddenly you hear a voice and there's like nobody around, hair on the back of your neck standing up, people, come on. And he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you know that right after Jesus was baptized, he goes out into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil. If you don't know the story, Jesus has not performed one miracle. He has not done anything yet. And he goes out into the wilderness, and the first thing he's tempted with by the devil is, hey, are you the son of God? The devil trying to cause Jesus to doubt who he is, and Jesus says, you know what, by the word of God, yes, I am. So Jesus had to hear from the father, hey, the father loves me. I am his son. Church, you're the church. I want you to know that you are God's. You're his sons and daughters. So that when the enemy tries to come in and say, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't, you can't pray for people. You can't speak into people's lives. You can't encourage people. That's just a bunch of lies. And we need to see that, you know what? We are God's representatives here on earth. And stop believing the lies. So what are we supposed to do? How are we to live this out? Who has Matthew eleven twenty eight that I signed this morning? I'm going to bring you the microphone. Why don't you listen? It's Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As believers, we enter God's rest. Amen? And from that place of rest and knowing who we are in Christ, we're called to engage the world. We enter his rest in order to engage the world. Who has 2 Corinthians 12? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Amen. We boast in our weakness so that God's power can be on us. You boast in your weakness, and how many times have we not thought we're weak? That's when we come and say, God, I am weak. But then his word says, you know what? You are strong. Because in your weakness, God's strength in you is made perfect. So we enter his rest, we engage the world. We admit we are weak, and from there we advance the kingdom. Who has Ephesians 3.16? I got a few more, people. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Who's doing the strengthening, people? Right? We rely on his power. So we enter his rest, we engage the world. We admit we are weak, we advance God's kingdom. We rely on the spirit, we release the captives. Amen? I got a couple more. Are you guys still with me? All right. Who has Matthew 16, 24? Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. To be a disciple, we take up our cross, we deny ourselves. 
What is this? Thy will be done, not my will. And we follow Christ. We enter his rest. We engage the world. We admit our weakness. We advance the kingdom. We rely on the spirit. We release the captives. We take up our cross. We tear down the strongholds. You want to know who you are, church? Last one, Psalm 91.4. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. God's faithfulness, protective shield. My Bible says he hides us in a shelter, a protective shield. Church, we're called to enter God's rest, to engage the world. We admit we are weak, we advance his kingdom. We rely on the spirit, we release the captives. We take up our cross, we tear down the strongholds. We hide in his shelter, and we help those in need. Amen? Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And out of that place, we enter his rest. We engage the world. We admit we are weak, but in that place, we are strong and we advance God's kingdom. We rely on the spirit. We release the captives. We take up our cross. We tear down the stronghold. We hide in his shelter and we help those in need. Amen? No longer a place, but a life. A people, the church, the bride of Christ. So today I want us to pray to receive God's word. But let's be a people. Let's be on purpose, a people that bring heaven to earth. Let's love like Jesus. Let's show the world how much he loves them. Amen? Amen.